0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Matthew chapter 4 is, uh, is where I feel like uh, the Lord is uh, leading me today to just share, a, just share a thought with you this morning. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. And Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness. If we know something of this story, you know that that spirit is talking about is not a demonic spirit, but it's actually a good spirit. It's the spirit of God, that the spirit of God would lead him to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And he went to the temp, And then the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the devil took him up to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give you angels charge over them and in your hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it's written again, you shall not tempt The Lord, your God. And again, the devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you just fall down and worship me. He said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I really like this story because... um, this is one of the few moments in the life of Jesus that we get a glimpse into—not so much Jesus the miracle worker, but Jesus the man. It, this is this is the the um, humanity of Jesus, if you like. There are so many stories throughout the New Testament through the life of Jesus that we read about Jesus operating in power and and he does still in this story as well. But I've found that more often than not, it's the stories that I get to see a glimpse of Jesus the man that empower me in a way that Jesus the miracle worker doesn't. Because it's Jesus the man, the, human, the humanistic side of Him that I sometimes feel more encouraged by in knowing and it's that reminder that yes, He was God, but He was also God in flesh. And that when I get a glimpse into the human side of Jesus, I get incredibly encouraged as I'm reminded that you still had battles as well. That when I read about them, something comes into my spirit and I think, wow, I forget almost that Jesus still had to face the temptations of the flesh. And and this story is one of those stories, the Garden of Gethsemane is another one of those stories where we get a glimpse into it. But this story um, is, there's so much in this that we can take from it, I think, and apply it to our lives in the practical day to day. But as I was looking at it, um, I felt like God just highlights some things to me that I wanted to just, just point our attention to this morning. And, and my sermon title, if, uh, if you're taking notes, is just this. I want you to write it down. It's done. It's done in the desert. It's done in the desert. I think there's certain things that get done in our life that only can get done in the desert. I think there are certain things that, that that happen on a high mountaintop experience, but I do think that there's something unique about a desert experience that does something in us that no other experience can do. And this is what I wanna share with you this morning. That with this, with this story, Jesus faces um, these three temptations. That He faces these three opportunities to give in these three opportunities to succumb to um, this battle that is coming his way that that the Lord has actually led him led him to the desert and, and again that's hard I think for us you know to to comprehend that the that, that God would lead him to a place of temptation Um, that God would lead him to a a problematic situation because he understands how powerful those situations can be if we make a decision um, that we're gonna walk it through and get out of the desert what God actually wants us to get out of the desert. And I wanna give you three things that get done in the desert. I want you to write down the first thing is um, that we develop, that my character is developed. I develop my character, Jesus is in the desert and, and He faces this temptation where the enemy comes to Him and the enemy says to Him, um, why, don't you, why don't you turn these stones to bread? Jesus is hungry. And, and this is again, the practical. Um, Jesus has been fasting and, uh, and He's hungry. I landed last night, uh, late last night, I flew in from KL, uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I was there preaching. And uh, first thing Pastor Jake picked picked me up last night. And the first thing I said, we got in about, must've been about 11 o'clock at night. And I said, we need to go straight to in and out Burger right now. It's the Lord, it's the Lord leading me. I felt the drawing in my heart. Seven days of drawing in my heart, and 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 I actually I do love Asian food, I love Malaysian food, but 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 something happens when you land in LA. It's a spirit, it's it's an In and Out spirit (laughs) comes upon you and takes over you, and so so we went to we went to In and Out, and normally I eat good, but but every now and then you just gotta you know. And uh, but this is where he he faces this attack, and and I love it because one of the things that I like about this first attack that Jesus faces is it's so normal. I, we sort of I think sometimes we over spiritualize things in Scripture, but I think sometimes we just need to look at something for what it is. That Jesus was facing. I mean, he was hungry. And the enemy came and tempted him in this place where there was this need within, within his life. The enemy came and tried to bring this, this temptation that, that what I think we can draw from this is every time we resist just day-to-day temptations that the enemy brings our way, it helps to develop our character that I know sometimes we can get you know spiritual and, and all of this stuff, but, but understand what is happening in this story. The enemy comes to him and says, just give in to your day-to-day temptation, give in to your day-to-day uh, desires. And, and what we have to understand is that the, the, this is what the bread represents. It represents um, a day-to-day need. It represents the area that Jesus in that moment uh, was lacking. It represents bread. It represents something that's very practical. But I want you to see this because this is where it's actually quite powerful the way in which Jesus responds. Because Jesus says to the enemy, when the enemy comes to try to bring the, the practical to get him down, Jesus says to him, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the key word that jumped out at me, or the two words that he's saying, or a single word, sorry, that he's saying, is when he says the word alone. He doesn't say that man does not live by bread. He says, Man shall not live by bread alone. In a sense, he's he's recognizing, yeah. Yeah, I do have that those needs in my life. I'd recognize that they're there, but I'm I'm making a decision that I'm not going to allow these immediate needs to control my life. They are still there. He doesn't disregard them completely. I guess what I'm saying is sometimes I think in church, we need to just simply acknowledge that we have these battles and have these challenges, but make the decision to say, I'm not gonna allow this temptation to rule my life because I do not live by bread alone. I don't live by the day-to-day challenge. I live by every single word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I think so. Sometimes in church, we sort of do away and we sort of push aside the day-to-day battles that we are all facing and we make it so spiritual and we get up here as pastors and leaders and we say, we're gonna change the world and we need to get so saved and we're gonna change Orange County and God goes before you and it's all true and it's all amazing. But if you're a single mum trying to raise three kids, you're sitting there saying, that's all good and great, but I need some bread. Do you understand? It's As we get up here and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think we need to be careful that we don't just push aside the fact that we need bread day to day and we've got day-to-day battles and day-to-day issues, but we have to make that decision to say, yes, I have this going on in my life, but I'm not gonna allow what's going on in my day-to-day life to rule my life because I do not live by bread alone. I do not live, I do not allow these day-to-day. I think that's, that's where the battle can be. It's, it's, I feel like almost like we do one thing on Sunday, and we've sort of boxed in Sunday to being its thing. But then our real life is Monday to Saturday. That Sunday is the day where it's like, breakthrough happens. And we're like, yeah, Katinas, sing and raise my hands. And, and we come into church and, and we're excited and we're full of faith and it's Sunday. Like, yeah, Jesus, uh, everything's about, gee, you know, we're nicer to each other and we're just, but then, but then it's almost like Monday to Saturday sort of kicks in. And that's, my, that's my, bread, my bread battle days. And I think we find it difficult sometimes. How do I take Sunday into every day? How do I, because I think we've, we departmentalize. And we forget that God wants to be not just in my Sunday, but He wants to be in my everyday. But I have to make that decision to say, acknowledge, yes, I have an everyday. I have everyday battles. But I make that decision the same way Jesus said, Yes, there is a need in my life, but I do not allow that need to dictate the way in which I live. That I don't live on bread alone, but I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That I allow the word that that, that I don't that I don't allow what I feel to dictate how I live. And I know that's that's Elementary, and, and and but but how hard is that to do? Sometimes well, we hear that we like. I, I, I know that Ben. I I know that. I say something like that. Don't don't allow don't allow your feelings to dictate the way in which you live. And we say the response we would all have is, "Yeah, we know that, don't we?" We would say that. I, I know that. But what we have to do is we have to make that decision that we're gonna actually live out what we know. That we're gonna actually take, it's, very, it's a very fundamental principle, what Jesus is saying. That I don't live by bread alone, but I live my life according to the Word of God. That I'm not gonna wait Because He didn't, in this moment, Jesus is hungry. He he didn't feel like like preaching. He didn't didn't feel like living by the Word of God. But that's the problem. I think we wait until we feel like it. More often than not, the most powerful prayers you will ever pray are those prayers when you do not feel like praying. Because it's the prayers that you don't feel feel like praying that require a greater amount of faith to pray. And if we make that decision that I'm going to do what Jesus said, I'm going to live my life according to the Word of God. And I'm going to speak the Word of God over my situation. So when I wake up, Tomorrow, And I'm facing my job and I'm facing the battle in my finances. And yes, there is a side of me, as I shared earlier, that feels doubt and feels unbelief. I'm not going to wait until I'm full of faith before I declare God's Word. But I'm actually going to, in the middle of my faith and my fears, in the middle of being hungry and still being full of faith in the middle of this. I'm just gonna do the fundamental basics and wake up tomorrow and speak over my finances that I am blessed. I don't feel it. I don't see it. But the Word of God says that I'm blessed. So I'm just gonna, I remember doing this. I remember when I was young and and I started getting bills. you know, when like you, I look back on it now and I think it wasn't even a big deal, like a $100 phone bill. But when like you're young, that was like a big deal. And I remember getting those, those bills and I remember... You know, I must have had four or five bills as a kid. And I remember because when I was real young and I would try and save and I would get these little to-go boxes and I would write the different things. You know, one was like a phone bill and then one was gas for my car. And I would write it in Sharpie on the side of the little box and then I'd put cash in there and try. And, and I didn't have enough. It wasn't matching up. And I remember just getting, it was so simple and so basic and so unpowered, not powerful. You know, it's not like, but I just got the Bills and I put them on the desk, and I put my hand on those bills, and I said, In Jesus Christ's name. Now, listen, I still had to pay them, it's not like dollars started falling from heaven. I mean, that would have been great, um, but you know, I, ha- I had to go and go and work. We forget that sometimes, we forget the practical, like. Like you'd be amazed at what will happen to your bank account when you go to work. Like if you go, I promise you, if you go to work and you work for seven days, what money will show up? It will show up in your bank account. But but understand that sometimes sometimes we have these needs, and I remember praying and speaking, and I didn't feel like it. I felt like it was hard. I felt like it was tough. I felt like the the pull of of what my flesh was feeling. But I made this decision to say, you know what, Lord, I thank You that I'm blessed because the Word of God says that I'm blessed. And Lord, I surrendered my life to You, which means all the good things and the bad things are Yours. These are not my bills. These are Your bills. And God, I thank You that it's done in Jesus Christ's Name. I thank You that You would equip me, Lord God, that You would help me empower, empower me to walk in faith. It's, it's, It's not a... It's not this super complicated thing. But, but I think sometimes it's, it's just the day to day that helps to grow. It, this is the stuff that actually helps to grow um, our character that we can't let the area of lack in our life determine the way in which we're going to live. David said, that's why David said, Your Word, Your Word, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. And we know these verses, but I want them, I'm repeating the basics because I want them to get in our spirit. How many things do we say? Oh, I know that, I know, but we don't do what we know, if we just did what we knew, then we would see God work in our life. If you would say, God, Your Word, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. So so what does Your Word say about my life? What does Your Word say about my situation? What does Your Word say about the bread need that I have in my life? And I promise you, there is an answer to it in His Word and you've got to get that Word and allow that Word to, to guide you. He, he will develop your character in the desert. James 1 verse 2 is one of my favourite verses. It says, My brethren, count all joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces patience. The bigger, the, the battle, the greater the becoming. It's, it's, it's the battle that I face in the desert that helps to, that helps to shape who I am, but it's all dependent upon what I do when I'm in the desert. That you can delay, you can delay the work that God is doing in the desert and you just get frustrated and you just get rattled and you just allow the desert to dry up your faith or the desert can be the thing that develops your faith. The desert, God will do it, it will get done in the desert, but you've got to actually allow the desert to do what only the desert can do and it'll do it if you make that decision to say, I'm going to live my life according to the the Word of God. I feel like giving up. I feel like getting mad. I feel like getting impatient. Yes, I need bread. Yes, but I do not live by bread alone. I don't give in to the flesh. I don't d- deny that there's a need there. I don't deny that it's hard. I don't deny that it's hurt, that it hurts. I don't deny that I feel that pain, but I don't live like that. I don't li- I live according to the Word of God. And I'm going to lean into the Word. And I'm going to allow the Word to guide me. And I'm going to allow the Word to direct me and to guide my path. How do I get it done in the desert? I make that decision. Say, you know what? I'm going to do what the Word says. I'm going I'm I'm to do what the Word is telling me to do. He, Psalm 91 verse 4, 6, He shall cover you. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. You've got to let what you believe to overshadow what you battle. It's not that the battle's not there. That's that's what, I guess, that's what sort of what I'm, it's, it's not that it's not, I'm not ignoring what's difficult. And that's what I think sometimes we feel like in church, we're like, come on, be full of faith. And we're like, yeah, but how do I raise my kids? Yeah, but we got bills to pay. Yeah, but I got this issue in my heart that I cannot sh- shake. Yes, I, I wanna be full of faith, but I'm, I'm full of anxiety and I'm depressed. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is God wants to be in all of it. But if I would allow... What I do believe to overshadow what I battle, God will deal with it. His truth, he shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, listen to this verse. This God in my spirit. Under his wings, see, see, that's the word. The word, it, it, I, I get you get under it. You know, I need like a big fat Bible. You know, this one's. Get under it. God, I got this going on. Just, God. His truth, look at this. His truth shall be your shield. If I could dance like the Katinas, I would do something right now. Hey, I felt, you feel that? I felt something in there, hey. His truth, listen. His truth. God, cover me. God, protect me. Just just get that Word. Co- it covers. His truth shall be my shield. How do I deal with it? Get in that Word. If you get in that Word, that Word will get inside of you and will start coming out of you, that you didn't even know that you knew, and the truth will start to guide you and it'll start to fill you and every battle you're facing won't be able to hold you back, because the word of God got in you and started to, started to develop you. But, but you know where it happens in the desert? It happens in the desert. Where do I learn the truth of God's Word? I don't learn the truth of God's Word. Listen, you will hear God's Word on a Sunday, but you'll learn it. You learn it. Monday. Because it's learnt through application. I've got a minute 30 left. It develop your character. Write this next one down. He will deepen, He will deepen your confidence. In two areas that He will deepen your confidence in. One is your confidence in yourself. Now, this is not self-help. This is not like you know, what's his name? Tony Robbins, like, and he's great. I think it's awesome. But, but what I'm saying is there is a biblical principle of being confident in who you are that the world has tried to adopt. And the world adopts it and they see it work because the power's in the Word. But it's not that it's, it's understanding who you are through Christ Jesus. When we minimalize who we are, we minimalize the God that is in us, and there 's something about this false humility that we can sometimes operate as Christians, and we say well it 's not about me and you 're right it 's not about you, but if you if you don 't value the package you 'll miss the content this, Do you understand and that we have to. Understand, because this was what the enemy was attacking and kept coming to Jesus saying, if you are the Son of God, listen to the subtlety of the enemy's language. How often does he come into our mind with a question to try and invoke a road of thinking Adam, when, when, when the enemy approached Eve, he said, did God really say? I want you to go down this road. This is what the enemy's saying of thinking. I want you to start to question uh, if you are the Son of God, if you were so blessed, why is it not showing up in your bank account? If you, were, if, if you were, if God's hand was on your family, then why are your kids away from God? This is the language of the enemy, but we have to be confident in who you are. 1 John 4 verse 4, you are God, little children and have overcome them because He, He that is in you, so we're the, we're the package that carries His presence. But you learn it. It's, not an, it's a difference between confidence and arrogance. That we have to be, this is what I love about David. When David showed up on the battlefield, and David came to Saul, remember? And, and they, there were all these warriors. And, and, and David, and they've got weapons and they're equipped with armour. But David, he, he carried this, this humility, but he also recognised what he had to do. That he said to them, is there not a cause? And, and there's a humility that he walked in, but then also there was a confidence that he had to operate in, in order for him to do what God had called him to do. We had to say, you know what? God was, I know I'm just a kid. I know I'm just a shepherd boy. I know I'm just, but, but I've got to do what God's called me to do right now. And if no one else is going to step up, then I will, I will step up in His power, in His strength. You get to, you deepen your confidence in yourself and your confidence in your God. You got to be confident in who He is. You've got to be confident in His ability to work miracles in and through your life. You've got to be confident in the plan and the purposes of God. You've got to have a confidence in your spirit that does not doubt. James 1 and verse 6, but let him ask what in faith We talked about it last week, the difference between being beggars and believers. We have to be believers. Ask in faith with no doubting. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, driven and tossed by the situation. Well, can God move here? And then God might be able to move here, but then maybe not here. And and, and now I'm full of faith and, and now I'm not. We've got to be confident in who we are and who our God is. But how do you get confident in Him? In the desert. Will God do this? It's what the enemy came and said to Him. He's God, he's he's trying to shake his confidence in who who his God is. That you've got to be confident in the goodness of God. In the goodness of God. That when the processes of God start to change and and you're not sure what he's doing and what, Why he's doing it, but your confidence in his goodness. Got to stand on that. And the last thing, for sake of time, just so you can get these points down is the first was develop your character, deepen your confidence, and you also determine your calling. You you, you will determine your calling, but you won't determine it in, in mountaintop experiences. You will determine your calling in the desert. This was what He was, this was where the attack was coming. It was coming to try and interrupt, try and stop Him from operating in what He was called to do. But as He determined in the desert who He was, as He determined in the desert what He was called to do, it was the desert that slingshotted His ministry. Because it was out of the desert, wasn't it? It was out of the, the wilderness, it was out of the desert that he stepped into his purpose, that he stepped into what God had called him to do, but he had to get something in the desert that he couldn't get anywhere else. You will determine your calling in the desert. We know Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. That he came to give us a hope, that he came to give us a future, that there's something that is great upon our life. But often the difference between thinking it and doing it is the desert. But you will determine, you will determine your calling and it'll get done in the desert. I want us, we're out of time, I want us right across this room to stand to our feet. Maybe, you, maybe you're in that season, maybe you're, you know what I found as well is it's not like there's one desert. That that would be easy, wouldn't it? Huh? If there if there was one desert, you could just be done with it. That'd be a good sermon title. Done with I'm done with the desert. Hey? And and, and, and you could come through the desert and close that chapter and then everything was was great. But you know what I found is deserts repeat themselves because it's all about us going to greater levels. The, what do they say? Big, greater the level. Something about devil, devils. Something bigger, bigger. De, you know, <laughs> higher levels, bigger devils. Greater destiny, deeper the desert. We And it and preaches great. We say, He wants to take us from glory to glory. And we go, Rah! touch five people and say glory. But we miss the desert in between the glories. But He will do it in the desert. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.